Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hashira Half Hour. I'm so happy to be here with you this week and to discuss some more of MAPPA's male favorites getting the special treatment on camera and getting their screen time. They really have our backs, y'all. <laughs> As always, I am here with my friends, Hannah and Brian. Hi everyone, I feel like everything that I have seen and thought about this season of uh, Jujutsu Kaisen has to do with simping. So. I'm doing great. And so are my friends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what else is there to say about this season besides Simp, Gojo, and Ghetto? I mean, honestly, that's all you need to talk about for this season. Three things and then you're, what about, you're golden. What about everyone's favorite bad dad? A little bit, maybe. A little bit of, little bit of zaddy. Perhaps. <laughs> oh, no. What? It, it's Zenin and Daddy, right? Anyway. Yeah, that's that was so good. It took me a second yeah. to catch on. That's why I made that face. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. We can't we can't start the episode this way. We ha we must remain strong, brothers. <laughs> Let's jump in. We are starting this episode off with Yuji, and he is giving a classic man solution to the barrier problem by, of course, trying to punch straight through it like it's drywall. Left, right, good night, everyone. Um, Eno is impressed. Megami is extremely pragmatic in this moment, saying that they do need to make a hole in the barrier, even if it's only for a moment so that they can hopefully break it down. These three are, like, kind of ridiculous together, but I kind of love it. What do you think of their dynamic so far? Oh, I think it's so interesting. I think it's a little bit of a refreshing contrast from the dynamic that Nobara added to this because she's like the, I feel like she's the like thorn in your side. She's a little bit like snooty and stuff like that, but I get it. But like these three, they're all like idiots rolling together a little bit. And I love it. Like Yuji is like the least intelligent one out of them. And it kind of goes in descending order from there. Like Eno's like, damn, he's strong. And Megami's like, are you guys going to like actually try to figure this out? Or are we just going to try punching through it? So I think it's just so cute to see these three boys try and figure this out together. It all started when a dumb ass meet another dumb ass meet another dumb ass and they become the dumb ass trio. That summarizes almost every anime I've ever seen. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else can I say? It's the dumbass trio, and as you said, Emily, that, that that that's a like trending sound on Instagram. In case people like didn't know, and it it most trios that I can think of sitting here right now fall into that category. But it's a fun dynamic. It's it's a little bit different from the regular trio that we get since it's Eno instead of Nobara, and I think Eno brings an interesting, different uh, point of view. Because he's, like, kind of starry-eyed over Eugene, and it's so funny. But he's like, oh, wait, no, I'm the upperclassman. Like, I'm the senpai. I gotta, you know, like, be be the leader here. And Yuji's just, like, punching, and Megami's like, can we, can we use our brains here? <laughs> it was really funny. I was giggling. They're cute. I do think they're cute. I like Eno. We haven't seen, like, too many upperclassmen from Jujutsu High yet. We've seen a few, you know, from the other school. And maybe we've gotten glimpses, but I think that this is one of the upperclassmen we've gotten some of the most time with um, this season, anyway. So I like him. I think he's fun. I think he's very cute. And I like that he mostly matches Yuji's energy, but then can get reeled in a little bit by Megami also, who we also love. So 
hope to see more of them. Love the three of them together. As they're putting their two brain cells between the three of them together, the two coming from Eno and Megami, um, <laughs> they're trying to figure out what is going on with these barriers? How can we break them down? And obviously, we still know that there are four of them. So they figure out that at least one of them has to be coming from somewhere that stands out, and it's probably one of the stronger ones. And then, like, they just kind of observe their surroundings, and they all agree that the Shibuya Central Tower, which is like a major landmark, makes the most sense. And then we cut to three jujitsu sorcerers who are on the top of that roof, and they're discussing whether anyone realizes what they're up to. What do you think they're up to? Who are they? Does it matter? I think they're up to no good. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're not up to any good. They are clearly not on the side that we are cheering for at this point in time. And, I mean, ha have they mentioned who they are? I feel like I kind of know who they are. Like, isn't that, like, Granny Zenin or something like that? I don't know, but and it does matter because I I think they are you know our our little dumbass trio is onto something, and I think this other is it a trio up there dumbass trio is on top of the building you know clearly doing something. I think that now that our other dumbass trio has figured out that they're probably there, they're going to do something about it. I don't know what I just said. That was not like any complete sentences, but you catch my <laughs> you, you catch my drift. It's almost like we have another dumbass, dumbass trio. Wow. Is oh, the dumbass no. trio in the room with us? The life imitates art has come true. <laughs> yes, I think regardless of how small anything is in, in JJK at this point, it matters. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's something to be noted um, as a manga reader, especially like all these small things that are happening now. Uh, definitely pay attention to them as you might pick up some clues for what comes next. But um, <clears throat> what do I think they're up to? They're up to absolutely no good. Um, they have the Marauders map in hand for sure. Um, and honestly, who are they? Does it matter? I don't think it matters as long as we know that they're on the side of Gojo being sealed. Because uh, it doesn't look like they're on the side of trying to help Gojo out at this point. So all that's that's the only identifier we need to know about him at this point. Yeah, that's fair enough. I I mean, we at least know that they probably are responsible for the barrier that we've just associated with coming from the top of this building. So and like knowing that it's one of the strongest ones and that. They're on the top of this landmark. They're literally hiding in plain sight. Like, they probably are pretty strong between the three of them. So that's not great because, you know, we just got this warning in, like, the last episode about, like, Gojo sealed and, like, these other people are gonna, you know, mess around and find out. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna find out. Trio versus trio. And it starts right away because Yuji and Ino scale this tower that they're on pretty quickly, and we get to use them. Uh, we get to see them use an inspired technique. It is inspired, of course, by our queen Maki, who we haven't seen really much of until this flashback. But they're using wire to snag the three curse users that are on top of the roof. And as this happens, you know the the trio that is already up there on the roof is kind of assessing these challengers that are approaching um and the older man among them realizes that these kids must at least kind of know what they're doing 
And then we get a brief explanation to help the audience understand how the barrier works that they've set up. So there are three talismans imbued with the technique. They just require a sorcerer to activate them. So we've got that already going on on the roof. Eno is able to quickly take out one with his curse technique. But this older man, who we learn is called Awasaka, has the other two. So what does Yuji do? He drops his ass off the skyscraper. <laughs> because normal humans can survive that, right? Yuji just assumes. I don't know. So he drops his ass. He really is the epitome of boy energy in my mind. Like, even Eno has a little bit of a plan, but I feel like Yuji is like, no thoughts, just do. I mean, honestly, that's where I relate to Yuji sometimes, where I'm like, no thoughts, just do. Because, I mean... I really, I think of it really as the the scientific method in which I try something, I assess the results, and then I then make an informed decision of how to proceed from there instead of thinking about it beforehand. Now, realistically, watching kind of the animation for the fighting with the wires and stuff was really cool. I really liked this fight scene because it was so dynamic and i really like aerial fight scenes when like there's not like flying abilities involved but like they're somehow in the air and i just think that's a really cool way that they did it and showing kind of how they were able to grab on to old man and like he saw that he had the two talismans in his hands so then they used the wires to grab him it was just a really cool overall kind of exchange man I would love to see Eugene and Tanjiro fight together because they're very similar, but Tanjiro at least thinks. <laughs> they're both such kind boys that just, like, goof off and have fun, but at least Tanjiro could be like, hey, let's think a little bit more. <laughs> we'll get, like, a minute-long monologue before we drop him off the roof. <laughs> <laughs> love them both. I loved the beginning of the scene because I loved how we were on the the trio that was on top of the roof and they're all talking about like are we going to be found and they're like N well even if we do like the bottom of this tower is just crawling with cursed <laughs> humans and stuff and <laughs> as they say that the other three dumbasses come in and like just are like ha 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 with the little strings and i thought that was so funny but also i was like let's go like they're like ah they're we're good we're fine first miscalculation second miscalculation was the fact that yuji was so willing to not think and just do and throw him off the side of the building is that gonna kill him i don't know was that yuji's idea i think it kind of was honestly like, they are trying to get rid of these guys. I think he's willing to kill if, if needed. So, you know, I, I, I think he at least thought that through and was like, yeah, this guy needs to die because they're doing the freaking veil thing. So I think he's using his brain a very, 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 very tiny bit. <laughs> but it's mostly like, a, ah, if falls off building, dies. Let's do it. Golden Retriever thoughts for real. Oh, sweet Yuji. Well, he's got to deal with the consequences of his actions now. So he's taken off of the roof to follow and is going to get some help from Megami. But we'll come back to them in a minute because right now we're like still on the roof and we see this creepy older woman telling her grandson to get ready. And now Eno is left up there and he's preparing for battle as well. And I love this scene. I think it's so cute because he's sharing a little bit about how he feels like honored that he was chosen by Nanami to watch over 
his underclassmen and that he also wants to show off now in front of his underclassmen because his goal is to be a good enough sorcerer that he can be recommended by Nanami specifically for grade one. And we see like a little flashback scene here with uh, Nanami and Eno that's just like really pure and sweet. I really like that we're getting to see a relationship between a different student and a different teacher in this show because most of what we've gotten has been between Gojo and our trio. So as a teacher and with this sweet little scene, what do you think about Nanami's approach to teaching and to like mentorship with this kid? Do I say it? The vibes I was getting was present day Tanjiro and Rengoku. <laughs> no, no, it was more Tanjiro and Giyu though, because Nanami is, I think, a little bit more like Giyu in a sense where he's very calm and it's been a minute since I've watched season one and Nanami at this point hasn't been in the season a ton. He's kind of just been here and there in like random moments. But if I'm remembering correctly, he's always been like, you know, he gets serious, but he's very calm and collected at all times. Gojo's the, you know, golden retriever and Nanami's the the black cat of that friendship. So I I definitely got those vibes. And I love those kinds of vibes where you have this like younger student that it like has stars in their eyes looking at this mentor and you know is doing everything that they can simply to get that recommendation straight from that mentor you know he wanted it straight from nanami and i think that's really special and i think that shows how much uh you know looks up to him and also just speaks for nanami uh and how like just solid of a guy he is that someone can look up to him as brightly as Eno does. He gives him some really good advice here too. You know, he's like, you're, you're, you're already doing really well. And Eno's like, but I want to like do more. So it was a really, really nice, cute breather scene. Yeah. I really liked this scene starting with something really small. Um, that's why I asked to pour your guys' drinks at karaoke the other night is because if you notice, Eno asked Nanami, oh, did you want another drink? And so I was trying to be respectful that I'm the younger one so that I would pour your guys' drinks. That's where that came from. Sorry, random. But if you didn't know, that's a tradition in Japan. So now you know. Nonetheless, I really like this dynamic between the two of them. Eno seems uh, very appreciative of Nanami's opinion and holds him in such high regards. I think it's really cute because while everyone else holds Gojo in such a high regard, I think Gojo's opinion can feel a little bit different. And not that it doesn't mean anything, but he's so more lax about things that it doesn't feel as validating as it would coming from Nanami, who is more of that analytical human being, who is more of that person who's going to take things a little bit more seriously. And if you wanted like true advice or true validation, Nanami would be the person you'd go to. I mean, not that I wouldn't want to be trained by Gojo, but realistically, like if you wanted to get better, you would go to Nanami because he's going to be the person who's probably going to give you the most inherent or not inherent, uh, most true feedback. And so Nanami is the person that's going to be able to help you grow. And I think that's really special. Nanami's seen a lot in his time too, not just Gojo. And I think it really shows that all of the people that are, you know, the adults in the show have a lot of tenure under their belt as well. Yeah, they all have different approaches. Nanami is definitely like the seemingly more studious and serious of the two. Probably also had to put in hard 
not not to say that Gojo didn't put in hard work, but I think almost anybody else in the show has to work really, really hard to try to get anywhere close to where Gojo inherently started, you know, keeping in mind that he did have to, like, master his techniques. But I think that for everybody else, it's more of a lifelong endeavor to try to measure up. And I think that he instills, that Nanami instills that in his students that like even even once you get to this promotion and you get to this grade one level like it there's still more to be done even then including for myself and that's why he's like i'm gonna go show off too so i really really liked that scene i thought it was nice to see nanami be a teacher to somebody that we also haven't seen a whole lot of so that being said we gotta cut back down to the bottom of the skyscraper now that every that the other two like idiots from both trios have fallen <laughs> off of and so we see that yuji has now regrouped with megami and they are preparing to fight awasaka who honestly really gives me the heebie-jeebies we saw him fall off the roof we see yuji and megami land several blows on this guy they're like beating up on him after he's already fallen off of the roof and he's still completely unscathed What's his deal? I mean, every anime fight starts like that, right? I'm just getting started. It's that one meme where, like, the kid gets, like, absolutely thrown off of a tube and, like, smacks the water eight times. And then it's like, ah, oh, let's get it warmed up or whatever. But nonetheless, uh, there's definitely something awry here. Even for an anime character to follow a hundred stories or whatever it might be and all of a sudden um, just get back up. Very interesting. Uh, obviously, I know what's happening, but at first when I saw this and I, when I was reading this in the manga, I was like, why? How? How are you doing that? It was very interesting. He also gives me the heebie-jeebies, but he also reminds me of like a Jeruma doll, like the way his face is shaped, yeah. which I think is interesting. Um, and I think it might be interesting as a metaphor as well, because the Jeruma doll is a weighted doll. And if you like push it over, it stands back up. So I think in a couple minutes, that metaphor is going to make sense. <laughs> good point yeah what's his deal um he's an anime character but <laughs> i mean i think there is definitely reason behind him you know surviving i think it's clear that him surviving this was abnormal because you know megami was like hang on like his body's unscathed you know and then he's like hey get up you old dude and yuji's like what <laughs> like how and i think it was like 41 like from the 41st floor is what yuji or megami said if i'm remembering correctly but you know it's partially whatever whatever his abilities are because that's something i'm learning with this world is like pretty much jujitsu sorcery allows you to do anything really and it's kind of like breathing styles and demon slayer except it's much wider range like it's pretty much it's kind of like quirks in, in My Hero, where I feel like sometimes someone's just, like, in the back room, like, telling the mangaka, okay, here's, uh, I'm spinning, I'm spinning the wheel, and this person can control carpet. <laughs> but, you know, that's the, that's, that's the world. <laughs> okay, <laughs> wait, hold on. No, wait, that is literally fucking one piece there's someone in one piece who can make hands out of nowhere like literally like they could put hands on your shoulders to like silence your mouth i feel like that's actually kind of a thing hands especially are a thing in a lot of animes but i feel like we've seen that in jjk too oh am yeah. i forgetting I've, like, well, whose, whose freaking hand went flying 
Oh, it's in the next episode. I talk about Don't worry, we'll talk about it in the next episode. Oh, the hand, but, you're right. Yeah. Hands are just very prevalent in JJK. Like, we see them a lot because of, like... A, well, a lot of them, like, they have to do something with their hands to use their curse technique. Anyway, super long tangent. What I'm saying is, I think his deal is partially the fact that he's an anime character, and partially just probably whatever his Jujutsu sorcery is is allowing him to survive a fall like that. Yeah, he's a weirdo. But honestly, like, so are our three main characters. <laughs> so just different brands of weirdo. And we get into that a little bit here because we get to see the backstory of these three psychos that are on the roof. And we learn that they're all, like, either murderers or criminals who were able to terrorize and kind of have free reign on the world before Gojo was born. Also, we get to see baby Gojo in this moment, and another shout out to Mappa's favorite, and their only nicely drawn baby in any anime that they've ever animated. <laughs> He's like, still so pretty. Sidetracked. So we learn that Awasaka and the other curse users who were on top of the roof have been cooperating with Ghetto because they align with the vision. They had their freedom stolen from them by Gojo's mere presence in the world. Even as a child, he was already so strong that they had to, like, back into the shadows. But they don't want to. They um, want to, like, reject that notion and continue to fight. And Awasaka actually says it's because he'll always trample over the weak until the day he dies. There's a big difference between this sentiment and what we've heard from our heroes, huh? I feel like this is common, at least in Shonen, is like the villains are always fighting for like their freedom. And it's usually because they can't stand weak people and they want the world to just be full of strong people. Or they want to just be able to do whatever they want with the weak people because they can do whatever they want because they're strong. I personally, though, the scene... So first of all, the baby. Yes, Mappa, I thought, couldn't draw a baby. Turns out they just had all of their animators that can draw a baby. Yeah, you're all doing JJK. Finland Saga <laughs> and Attack on Titan, sorry, but no, you're not getting cute babies. JJK? Gojo? Yes. <laughs> I also thought it was interesting when we go to Gojo being like a kid. First of all, he has Kilua's voice actor and looked just like Kilua, like the way he was like dressed and his hair. I was like, okay. Um, and even the way he was acting was very like, you're weak. <laughs> what? But I thought that was an interesting scene because they were, I think, all kind of in their locations to jump Gojo, who was just a kid, you know? at this point in time and just him walking by they were like weakened to their knees essentially just by, by his presence as a child so you know i can kind of see why they'd be like no you know i i don't want to fight with him i want to fight against him because they can't live freely as he's around but the reason they want to live freely is to just be menacing so yeah i think that this was really cool to see baby ghetto also um just about map of babies did you guys forget about the baby titan like that tiny like titan who looks like a baby that was very cute possibly nose. yeah the huge nose it's the cutest you baby i've ever cute? seen <laughs> no absolutely right. not i just wanted to bring that up because baby titan <laughs> um but 
I do think that this is a really cool scene. I really like, um, of course, we get to see more of Gojo's eyes. And whenever we see Gojo's eyes, it's a treat from MAPPA. So thank you so much for doing that for us. And yeah, I really like the way he walked. I think it was what Gojo said, stop staring at me, you weakling. Like, his confidence started at such an early age that it like it almost pieces together the w- reason why he was the way he was before he got sealed. Like it makes complete sense now. And I think this really gives the viewers the context for what's going on in the show and kind of why Gojo being sealed is now such a big deal. Right. Eno talked about it in the last episode where, you know, the power balance is going to be out of whack, but now seeing it from the other side as well as like they're ambitious now because that power balance is out of whack so that they can have a chance at hoping to really push that power balance in their favor. This is a really terrifying moment for them because now the jujitsu sorcerers, the good guys here, really have to do some work to put things back into place. There is definitely going to be a big challenge here because since Gojo was born, the world has never had to try to maintain the balance that was uh, thrown. And so even if things found their way into an equilibrium, there's going to be a, a big battle to get to that point and that's not exactly what we want either like we we do want a dominance over the cursed energy i I don't think this is a world where like things can be balanced and that both sides can have what they want and this is almost like a third side that's coming out of nowhere is like the people that are sorcerers but they're like i'm not interested in working with either of you i guess you know we'll we'll see but not ideal that gojo is gone but we've seen just like how strong the impact has been just from having him be alive so I think it's interesting to see some human perspective on that, even if from the other end. So Awasaki's having this huge flashback to help us figure things out, but Megumi is still on top of things. And so he uses a bluff to figure out Awasaki's technique and how to take him down. So he and Yuji are able to distract him with um, the use of one of his shikigamis. He uses a huge pile of these rabbits. He calls them the hares. and then they're able to retreat for a moment and figure out the counterattack, which is to strike Awasaki with a super weak attack, actually, that ends up decimating him because his technique is inverse, meaning that any attacks that um, he takes, if they're weaker, then it has more of an impact on him. If they're stronger, the less of an impact. So when they were going all out, and he's falling off of roofs and shit like that. Like, not not working out. But these little little tiny taps are what does him in. And I also thought that that was super funny to see our two goofy boys not only figuring this out, but countering it really successfully and watching this guy get wrecked. I have so many thoughts on the inverse technique. So... The thing is, like I was saying with the Jeruma doll earlier, right? The harder you hit that Jeruma doll, the more momentum it has. So the more likely it's going to stand back up. But if you hit it with a weaker attack, it's going to be able to fall on its side because the momentum has pushed it to a certain spot where it doesn't have any energy to come back. So that's part one. Part two, this relates to a Taylor Swift song, okay? And it's called Death by a Thousand Cuts, right? And these cuts are not supposed to be like deep and like detrimental, but it's supposed to be all the small things that would add up. And I think that's kind of what it was is because they did multiple times of just very small blows in comparison to what they could do. So that way they could actually win this. 
Um, I think this fight was really cool. I loved seeing the way that Yuji like stopped his momentum and was able to kind of slow down a little bit. Also, when Megami was like, matching pace with Yuji is harder than matching pace with the enemy, I was like, let's go! I was so hyped. Oh my god, this fight scene was so cool. Yeah, this whole thing was really good, but shout out to Megami for being the one to figure out his technique, because Yuji had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Like, as soon as Megami was like, I figured out his technique, Yuji was like, oh? Like, hey, can uh, can I copy your homework? (laughs) but i love the dynamic that the two have because they are i mean not to say that yuji isn't smart and not to say that megami isn't strong but like you have like meg brian just said like megami mentions like it was hard to keep up with yuji physically and then yuji was having a hard time keeping up with megami mentally you know so they both had such different sides to this fight which made it such an even battle in my opinion so that they were able to figure it out quick and take this guy down when he has a technique that's really really difficult you know like it would be really hard to especially in the way that they're doing where they're like trying to make it look like they're going in with full you know full power and they are and then just stopping that at the last second like that's not an easy feat that's not something that our bodies are designed to do so it was just really impressive and i was like these are my these are my sons of this world let's go my sons i gave birth to them anyway oh congratulations <laughs> i guess that's a twitter joke you guys wouldn't understand anyway <laughs> Um, that's my boy that's i know that one <laughs> yeah just a really really fantastic fight scene and i love to see both yuji and megami using their respective skills to take him down it's almost like their teachers have helped form them into a good team and that they are inherently good when partnered with each other mm-hmm. which we love to see even amongst our band of idiots <laughs> so Love them. But we do need to get back to Eno for a minute here because there's a lot going on on top of the roof, too. So we see Creepy Grandma has let her grandson swallow a very weird pill. And Eno realizes that this is triggering the beginning of what he's calling a seance technique. We know that seance seances kind of exist in the real world. You know, you can determine the validity for yourselves. But this is the idea of, like, we're trying to communicate with somebody from the dead. And that's not good. The name that she summons is Zenintoji. And, you know, he swallowed this pill. She's been chanting this curse. And the grandson begins to morph into the Toji that we last saw in the hidden inventory arc. That's not good. Eno doesn't even seem aware of who he is. Mm. Did I not call this? <laughs> I feel like, you know, you both had to just like look at me and nod when after Toji died in the hidden inventory arc. I was like, I feel like this guy's been talked about way more than to be appearing in five episodes and then dying. And it's kind of similar to Ghetto, too. You know, now both of these characters, I'm like, okay. Now, I kind of understand what's going on here. But I would just like to shout out Eno, because before the grandson began to morph and got that pill, Eno was doing a pretty good job. We explained his technique, you know, where he was able to call upon these, like, spirits of some kind, like animal spirits, uh, if he covers his face. 
which was really, really interesting. And it was actually uh, one of the curse techniques that I'm able, I was able to follow what was happening. I was like, let's go. <laughs> Wait, it's October 18th. Hold on. Uh, let me write this on the calendar. Hannah understands JJK. All right. We got it. We got oh. it written down, folks. <laughs> uh, I understand one power. and <laughs> No, I understood the inverse technique too so i i'm getting there y'all i'm I'm getting there it's anonymous power i still get but we'll get there (laughs) but i just wanted to shout out you know for putting up a fight and he was doing a really good job uh fighting the grandson as the granny was like chanting her little chant for this to happen so interesting stuff but uh toji coming back i want to say that i definitely called that but not in this way the companion of Buzz Lightyear, Toji Zenin. <laughs> no. <laughs> Honestly, oh my god, when this man came back and then he was like, Yeah, did you think that my soul wasn't strong enough? Like, are you kidding me? Like, for two characters to be resurrected to a certain extent, right? We've had Ghetto, and now we understand that there's a sorcerer who is inside his body and trying to, uh, you know, fight that, right? So you have that, and then you have this opposite dynamic going on where now this, like, Toji has completely taken over his body, and there is no chance of that dude coming back. My god. That is just so cool to see kind of these parallels between these fights and being able to see kind of how these things are going to play out from here. Now. I love Eno. There's no way in hell he's he has a chance against Toji. Like, Gojo almost got wrecked, like, completely by him. So, like, props to you for standing strong, but also, I pray someone is nearby. Someone. <laughs> I don't know who that would even be, because you're right. And I would argue Gojo did get wrecked by Toji. It wasn't enough to completely change things, but also... That's a very interesting precedent that we've seen set in Jujutsu Kaisen so far, is that, like, death is certainly not the end for almost anybody in the show so far that's, like, a character of significance. So, we've seen Gojo come back in Hidden Inventory. We've seen some version of Ghetto come back. We're now seeing Toji come back. Just interesting. Just something interesting to keep in mind. And, uh, it seems like... This version of Toji that's coming back is pretty strong because something is going wrong here. Like, we see Eno is, like, skeptical. The grandma, even, is, like, kind of looking at it a little bit weird. Because at first we saw, like, the face was spliced between, like, the grandson's face and Toji's face. Now it's fully Toji's face and Toji's voice. And Toji seems to have fully taken over. If that's the case, and the grandson is nowhere to be found, what do you think that Toji's going to want to go do now that he's essentially been reincarnated? Because I don't think he's going to want to do whatever Granny wants to do. Oh, yeah, no. Granny's out of the picture at this point. She's irrelevant. He's going to go berserk. I mean, he's literally a a sorcerer hunter in the middle of the Shibuya arc where sorcerers are running amok. Of course he's going to go off and slay some heads. Um, or drop some heads? I don't know. I was trying to say something cool there, and it didn't work, so just forgive me on that one. But I think this is going to be a really big turning point in the arc here, because, you know, you have this person who is very well feared and respected 
in the jiu-jitsu community for being someone who had no cursed energy period but had all this power over people just through his physical abilities alone yes his in uh heavenly pact had something to do with it but nonetheless still a terrifying force to be dealing with he's gonna he's gonna take some names and kick some asses not necessarily in that order (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm nervous i i don't really obviously i don't know what's to come because i'm the lone anime only here but I keep thinking about the fact that his son is also in this battlefield, so I feel like there's going to be some kind of clash between them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, It's scary. It, it's scary to see him come back when he did so much damage a few years, or however many years ago it was that hidden inventory had happened. I think it was supposed to be like 13 years ago or something, so he... and. Let's not forget, like, yeah, he wrecked Gojo, but he also wrecked Ghetto. And they were, like, yeah. they were the strongest. They were the two most powerful. And he got them both good. And they only survived because of, like, cursed technique in other ways. So he is extremely powerful. Eno did not have any chance as soon as he turned into Toji. That was not gonna happen so I'm, I'm definitely nervous for a lot of characters right now i feel like toji coming back added another just sucker punch of bad things to what's going on this arc and i knew this wasn't gonna go well everyone talks about how shibuya is like infinity castle of demon slayer but that's another conversation for another day so i'm nervous but also interested like i'm hooked yay one good thing coming out of shibuya <laughs> on that oh, note yeah. we are about at time any final thoughts before we move into our favorite moments all right let's go ahead and do those faves then so i will go ahead and start there's a lot to pick from and a lot to dissect in this episode but when it comes down to it i'm gonna take my anatomy moments when they come because sometimes they are few and far between and i i really did love this moment of him and Eno at the barbecue because it was like a different side of Nanami than we've gotten to see. Nanami's pretty serious, and we know he's a very hard worker. He doesn't really like going beyond the nine to five life. Um, I mean, who so does? to see him like kind of relax a little, like he's got—I think he's got like the little bib on and everything—and they're like eating this like K barbecue and like just straight chilling, like him and one of his students. Like I think that there's something so sweet about that that he is in a position where he can let his guard down with this student and just go have like a beer and some food and in that way inspire the next generation. We've seen some of Gojo and even Ghetto's moments a little bit of like how they've inspired what's come next and Nanami needs to leave his legacy too. And I thought this was a nice, small but important moment. It was a really good moment. My favorite was the whole fight with Yuji and Megumi against... Awakasa, was that his name? That whole thing was just really good, but I have to call it specifically, and I was going to say this when I, we were talking about it earlier, but I loved when Megumi lied, like, bluffed, and he knew they know, because he knew that Yuji had gone up and been like, Gojo Satoru has been <laughs> Right? Megumi knew that, right? He was there. He was the one who karate chopped him, but he bluffs for a reason and he he's got it all going on inside his brain and then Awakaza was like we know that's a bluff this is why we're having fun and Yuji goes like oh it's okay Megumi <laughs> <laughs> you're not very good at lying 
Because <laughs> Yuji, he's the punch punch kid. He has no idea at all. He just... I loved it. <laughs> I think my favorite moment from this episode was when <clears throat> Eno and Megumi were talking about how to break the barrier. And then all of a sudden, you kind of see in the background that Yuji's just kicking some random cursed spirit. Like, that was just <laughs> the best part. Leprechaun it was like back. boy energy on high. Like, that was the best way like to describe him is that, like, that scene was just too perfect. And he was like, oh, because they said something intelligent. I was just like, my boy Yuji just out here being dumb. Sweet boy, one brain cell, maybe, on a good day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is all the time that we have for today. Excited to see more next episode. So I really hope you enjoyed this. Don't forget to follow us on TikTok and our socials, of course, at Hashira Half Hour. Give us a download of the podcast. Leave us a comment if you have any questions or anything that you'd like to see. And we will see you next time. As always, umai yowaimo. Umai mo. Umai and yowaimo.